1: Co-worker of yours.
2: All right, we're back. and We're going to continue that uh, Viking prep for today's game. You know, one of the, the defensive players, when we talked to the coaching staff, one guy they really have good things to say about is Stephen Weatherly. Didn't uh, make a big splash when he came here, but his play has just improved, improved, and improved. And Sid was also able to catch up with him. Let's listen in.
3: Mr. Weatherly, you're playing more than ever. Did
4: you ever expect that? Um... Uh, Yeah, I prepare every week as if I'm going to go out there and get a lot of snaps, and it's up to the coaches to put me in. Uh, But I'm excited with my opportunity to play.
3: You're playing outstanding. When you got here, did you think you'd see that much action?
4: Uh, No. Uh, As a seventh rounder, I didn't know what I would see. Uh, Purely special teams, and then fortunately I've been able to work my way into the rotation, so that's why I'm super fortunate that I get reps.
3: What's the thing you've really worked on day one?
4: Uh, Honestly, it's pass rush in in the drawer. Uh, Pass rush was number one. I could come in, I could play the run, but working on getting to the quarterback is the one thing I really need to work on. Who has helped you the most here? Uh, It's a combination of everyone. Uh, Everyone in the defensive line all the way back when B-Rob and JT were here at defensive end. Everyone helped. Uh, Griff still helps. D, of course, Dre and Coach Rob, too.
3: What are you doing better on defense since you
4: became a Viking uh being more consistent in the past game I think is one of the one things I've really gotten better at since being a Viking.
3: What do you have to work on?
4: Uh still being more consistent. So like I'll I'll have a couple of good plays, then I'll probably have one or two bad ones. So it's up to me to have all good plays and no bad ones.
3: How about sacks? How have you yeah, worked on loose. that?
4: Uh, I need more. I only got one right now, the strip sack versus KC. So uh, I've been getting back there. I just got to get them down to the ground. What's the biggest sack you got this year? Uh, the biggest one is the K- uh, one versus Kansas City in the last uh, two minutes of the game. It was a sack fumble, but they, they got the ball back.
3: Has Zimmer changed his defense this year over last year?
4: Uh, no, we've added a couple more wrinkles, but it's still Zim's standard of uh, defense. It's still his signature defense.
3: What about that uh, Griffin? I mean, she helped you?
4: Uh, a lot. Uh, being the leader of the defensive line, uh, we go where he goes, and so he leads us in the right direction.
3: Uh, what are you looking for? How far can his team go?
4: Uh, we can go all the way. We can go as far as we want to go. We have the ability. We have the personnel. It's up to us to execute week in and week out. We do that. There's nowhere we can't go.
3: What about uh, other stuff you do besides football?
4: Uh, yeah, I do a lot of stuff off the field. Um, I have a lot of different interests, and um, I have a lot of fun stress relievers. Thank you. Thank you. Hey Smith.
2: You know, and one of the fun things about catching up with Weatherly, Weatherly's been around for a little while. One guy, when they drafted him, people said, what are they going to do at running back? They lose two of their key running backs, and all of a sudden the Vikings have a lot of faith in this guy, but none of us had really heard much about him. Well, you look at what's happened in the course of the year. They don't lose a whole lot when they change running backs, and they, t- uh, and they put in, um, uh, who am I talking about now? Um, Madison, yeah, uh, Alexander Madison. He's an interesting guy. We heard from him oh, about three weeks ago. He, he plays more behind Cook than a lot of people thought. Let's listen to his thoughts.
3: Did you ever dream you'd play this much when you were drafted at 7th?
5: Well, I mean, I didn't have any expectations, really, Uh, coming in. I just wanted to come in and contribute as much as I could.
3: What's the big difference, college and here?
5: I would definitely say that uh, the speed of the game and and knowing what to do every single play, going out there and doing it fast and physical.
3: How about backing up Cook? How do you like that?
5: Uh, it's awesome. He's a his big brother to me, and um, he's an amazing player, so uh, I get to learn from a, a great person.
3: Are you surprised he's doing that good?
5: Uh, no. Uh, I prepare that way, so when when the time comes, I, I hope to just take advantage of any opportunity I get. What's
3: the biggest thing you had to learn here?
5: Um, just learn how to be a pro, how to take care of my body, and um, how to prepare.
3: How about that backfield coach? How much has he help you? Who's that? Backfield coach.
5: Oh, uh, he's doing a great job. And, and he, ever since I got here, you know, he's been able to show me the ropes and, and continue to uh, help me grow.
3: This offense a lot better than college?
5: Um, I don't know if I could put a comparison on it, but I definitely would just say that I enjoy uh, every aspect of our, our offense.
3: You you think you catch that many passes?
5: Um, I mean, um... Uh, I haven't caught that many yet, but uh, I definitely think it's uh, something that I'm capable of doing and don't mind doing it as much as they need me to.
3: What's the thing you, you want to improve on?
5: Um, probably just, I mean, everything. All aspects of my game, just making sure that I uh, become a pro and become a, uh, you know, effective player in this offense.
3: Did you think you'd play this much?
5: Uh, I didn't really have any expectations coming in, so uh, it's awesome just to be able to get the chance. Thank you. Thank you.
2: All right, that's uh, Viking Rookie Running Back. We'll take a quick break here. Welcome uh, Mike Max uh, back and talk a little more Vikings. And then Sid and I will take off for the stadium. You are listening to The Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike.
1: All right, Sid Hartman and Dave Mona are making their way to the buffet table, literally, at U.S. Bank Stadium where they will engage in a brunch and then go back for seconds. We'll keep you updated on that. We've got a special camera posted over there. Mike Max in the rest of the way, just came back from U.S. Bank Stadium doing our television pregame show. Great. I forget the energy and the buzz and the excitement And in this town as I bring in Pete Nigerian, I realize how lucky we are, Pete. You know, last night, yesterday, obviously, the Gophers lose, and I went to the... Timberwolves and the Houston Rockets, and everybody's engaged in watching James Harden. Then you get up today, and you focus on the Vikings and the Denver Broncos. And and it's never lost on me to, to how thankful I am to live in a market like this, where before we dive into Gophers and Vikings, we are so lucky to have the number of sports and the number of things that capture our interest every day.
0: You know, we really are, Max. It's It's unbelievable the sports town that Minnesota has become and, you know, the combination of the NBA and some of the crossover time frames with hockey and basketball, yeah. and we still got college and NFL football, and obviously the high school football as well. So yeah. it, it's it's exciting to be in Minnesota right now. It really is. And even, you know, let's, let's even talk about the MIAC. That, yep. That's been pretty
1: exciting. That's as been as great. Well. So, yeah. And, yeah. And, our, and our mutual good friend, Dan O'Brien, won a big game for St. Thomas Academy yesterday as the head coach. They're going to the prep bowl.
0: That should be really, really great. And Ricky Foggy as his. With Foggy
1: coach. as his quarterback yeah. coach, Yeah. <laughs>
0: So there's always some tie-ins here, but it, it really is exciting, and you're right, Maxie. I mean, the idea that you could literally in the same night be in St. Paul then go back over to Minneapolis, watch the Dophers on TV, the Vikings the next day. It's really a pretty exciting time to be a, a person living in the state of Minnesota if you love sports.
1: All right, PJ was on earlier. Glenn Mason was on earlier. Let's get your take. You watched it yesterday. You played at Kinnick Stadium before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first half, Iowa, uh, you know, I, I sensed and listen to fairness during the week this was a hungry team. Uh, But I didn't think they could execute offensively well enough to to make anything happen. And they were significant in the way they used their freshman running back and what they did to a gopher defense that that maybe did lack a little bit of energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly seems like we thought the kickoff was at 4 o'clock, not 3 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. That that was a a big problem. But Tyler Goodson really played well. You you mentioned the running back position, averaging 7 yards a carry against our defense. That's really, really difficult. And the fact that we couldn't run the ball, Maxie, and even though we were moving the ball and, and we were actually moving the sticks up and down the field, you've got to convert. And when you don't convert, and when I mean that, I'm not talking about first downs, I'm talking about field goals versus touchdowns. That that becomes an issue because you can't trade back and forth when they're scoring touchdowns yep. by going back with field goals. And that that really was the determining factor, I think, in the first half, at least, that that put us with our backs to the walls doing it in the second half, but they came out strong in the second half, the Gophers.
1: They, did, and, yeah, I mean, it, they didn't punt very often, so it was just a case of missed execution when they, when they came up short, of missed field goal, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they'd get sacked, et cetera. Uh, but you know, they, they made a, a concerted effort that they were going to throw the football and throw first, run second. Did you like yep. that? Is, is that what happens is every week a coordinator goes back and he says, okay, here's their strengths, here's our strengths, here's what we should do? Well, my, my
0: disappointment would be this. Um, I, I, I realize how great their defense is. And they they are. And let's be honest, I think their defensive line manhandled our offensive line yeah. throughout the afternoon. Because they not only stopped the running game, but they were getting in on, on Tanner Morgan, who who was outstanding. He was spectacular, I thought. I, yeah. I thought that he played with a lot of great uh, confidence and great pocket presence. And he, he moved around a little bit. But You know, he had a couple of balls knocked down early in the first half, and I think a lot of that has to do with the penetration that that defense, that front seven, it wasn't just the front defensive line. Their linebackers were extremely active and played a a huge critical role in why they had so much success, I think, particularly in the first half. But I don't think you ever give up on the running game. I know that sounds crazy, and a lot of fans say, why why are you giving – my mother used to say that to me. Why are we running the ball when everybody knows you're going to run the ball and you only get two and a half, three yards? But you have to run the football a little bit more. And the fact that Rodney Smith only carried the ball 14 times, I think that's a problem. Uh, you, you can't give up on that because that leads you into a much more effective play action. It gives you a, little, a few more options. And, you know, the problem was we had a lot of penalties at inopportune times as well. That, the combination of not converting, you know, not getting touchdowns when you need them and actually going for field goals. And some of the clock management towards the end of the game—that certainly was something that I think um, was an issue for us. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at the fourth quarter; I think we did a really poor job. And I'm not trying to be overly critical. I'm just being very honest right now. I think the clock management was not well well done by by the Gophers yesterday.
1: Yeah, a couple of things that just kind of stood out there. Maybe in part because, and Pete, not to make excuses for them—they're mm-hmm. they're big-time coaches. They, they know what they're doing. But yep. but we've never seen them in this situation before where, you know, you know where, where they, they were behind and trying to play catch-up the whole game. This is the first time we've really seen that.
0: Yeah. And you know what? But the, the great part was we did play catch-up in yep. an effective way. But the negative side of that, the flip side maybe, is because of that clock management, and I'm talking about literally about the last eight or ten minutes of the fourth quarter, I don't think we did a good enough job there. We, we we were behind the eight ball. We had to make some plays. We had to move the ball up and down the field. And by the way, the one thing I would disagree with a lot of my, 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 my former teammates, and I heard a lot of guys talking about this yesterday watching the game, they were saying, oh, yeah, you got to go for the, the, the onside kick. I completely disagree with that, by the way. With, with about three-plus minutes to go, You've got to get a three and out either way, right? I mean, the, the possibility of a three and out, maybe you get the ball closer to the 50-yard line, and then you have kind of a manageable ability to be able to move the ball downfield. The, the clock is your friend in college because of the stops and everything else. Yeah. So I, I just didn't agree with that because once you do that, uh, to me, it's, it's such a long shot to get that recovery on, on the onside kick plus the fact of look at where they get the ball when they get it. Uh,
1: yep. that, and minimum, they can pin you down with a punt.
0: Right, yeah. right. Which, you know, you look you look at where we, we ended up when we finally got the ball back, and, and you know, that unfortunately is is part of the story. But that's just opinion. Everybody's got their opinions. It's as easy as a Monday morning or a Sunday morning quarterback. But but that's what I saw yesterday was I the, the clock management towards the end and the, the decision to the onside kick. And, and, and I'm sure people could tell me, you know, Pete, you're crazy. That's not the, the way you do it. But the way I looked at it was you got to get a 3-and-out. I know we wasted a timeout, so it's going to be a little tougher. But if you get a 3-and-out, you're getting the ball somewhere close to the 50-yard line, and it's giving you an opportunity, a better
6: opportunity, I think.
1: All right, Pete, now we get to look. At, there's a big silver lining still coming for this team because <laughs> both they and Wisconsin now control their own destiny. And yeah. uh, it, it, as brutal as that was for Gopher fans to take it yesterday, it sets up the potential the potential, if things play out this week, for Minnesota versus Wisconsin, winner wins the Big Ten West and probably goes to the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. If you think Mm -hmm. Penn State was big, um, (laughs) now, 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 you know, Minnesota, it doesn't even matter if Minnesota beats Northwestern because they'd still uh, uh, be able to beat Wisconsin. And win. it matters if Wisconsin beats Purdue, let's start there. Uh, Do you see any reason to believe Purdue can beat Wisconsin?
6: No. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't either. Not at Camp Randall, and how beat up they are.
0: Right, and and, and I'll tell you what: the, Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in football. Uh, mm-hmm. People, everybody's got opinions there too, but I'm, my opinion is he's 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 leaps and bounds in front of everybody else. He's that good of a football player. Nebraska, by the way, played a pretty good game yesterday against Wisconsin. Wisconsin got a couple of big plays. They had the kickoff return for a touchdown, but it's an eight and two football team, Maxie, and and, and they sure look good. And I. I don't see where Purdue's going to have much of an opportunity uh, against a team like Wisconsin. I just think that I think Wisconsin looks like they're rolling. They still have the same issues they always have had and always will have quarterback. But with Jonathan Taylor, uh, that's a pretty effective offense.
1: And so, let's just uh, leap ahead because we're allowed to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. You get Minnesota against Wisconsin. You get Wisconsin upset because last year Minnesota took the ax back. You're oh, yeah. playing – the stakes have never been bigger in terms – they they did play five years ago, by the way, uh, for the Big Ten West title. People forget this. Minnesota went to Wisconsin and played them in the final game of the season, and the winner won the Big Ten West. And Wisconsin yeah. beat them. David Cobb was injured and trying to come back from a hamstring. And then they went and got annihilated by Ohio State that year, uh, Wisconsin did. So they have mm. played that game before. Uh, the difference this time being, I think everybody assumes that, you know, there, there could be uh, national playoff implications if you can make the Big Ten championship game or at minimum a Rose Bowl so it gets even bigger and bigger. If you're, if you're Wisconsin and you're playing Minnesota and you've seen what you've seen, can, can yep. you do that? Can you can you take uh, Jonathan Taylor and run him right and left?
6: You
0: know our defense showed a little bit of weakness yesterday with the running game, uh, the Big Ten running game with with Goodson, a freshman who who doesn't even compare to a Jonathan Taylor. I think if. Uh, We will work and and it's something that can be accomplished because I think you can stack the box. If I'm the, if I'm the the defense coordinator for the university of Minnesota, I'm going to challenge them to throw the football and I'm going to do everything I can to get an aggressive front seven, actually maybe even eight guys in the box and say, you know what, if you want to throw the ball, great, because we got a pretty decent secondary, although they got lit up a little bit yesterday, you know, at, at, at certain times. And that was a little bit of an issue as well, because, they had, that first quarter, uh, it looked like Iowa had the upper hand in terms of throwing the ball on our secondary. Yes. and then we got we got a little bit more comfortable as the game went on and played much much better in the second half in terms of the secondary. But I'm not so worried about Wisconsin throwing the ball. I think you've got to put eight in the box and say, look, we're going to stop the running game somehow with Jonathan Taylor, even if even with eight Maxie he's not an easy guy to stop. No. He's going he's gonna to get his six or seven or eight yards of carry on certain carries. The key is not to let him get in those long games. And, and if you can somehow slow that running game down, we have a great opportunity to do exactly what we did last year, which is win the football game, which would then put us up against Ohio State, which is going to be a huge challenge if that's the case.
1: Yeah, and, and last year, if you recall, Taylor was running the ball really well against Minnesota, and then they got behind right. and they abandoned him. Completely, and then everything went haywire on the on the badgers, but for a bit there it looked like you know he wasn 't the problem. They were running the football well with him, and then once they they got behind and they had some drop passes and things just uh, uh got away from them, but uh uh that that could be really special in a couple of weeks, depending on how things play out. Do you see any if um if Northwestern, who finally you know they they granted they played UMass, they had a kid from Maple Grove run for two hundred twenty yards yesterday. Yeah. Uh, if Tanner Morgan say doesn't play, does does that leave them vulnerable at all to Northwestern? You know, I think the key
0: really is this. I think we can run the football, and we should run the football more often than we did this past weekend. I I, I still think that was part of the problem with the game. And 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 yes, Tanner Morgan would be missed. Those three receivers can make another quarterback look pretty good. Though. Yes, I, see, I think. And the other side of it is, this is a team, Northwestern, who's thrown a lot of interceptions. And if we, if we play well on defense and are able to stop the running game, and, and let's be honest, UMass is not a Big Ten football team. No. And,
1: and they're not a good in their conference
0: even, yeah. No, they're not yeah. very good. But Wisconsin, or excuse me, Northwestern did what they had to do and and they were effective and they put up a lot of points and they won the football game. So maybe that gives them a little confidence. But they throw interceptions. They got fourteen interceptions already this year. That's way too many. And that, as a matter of fact, it's nearly triple how many touchdown passes they've thrown. So mm. I I think if we can get up there and, and stop that running game and, and and we have the capability easily, I think, of doing that. Then look for our secondary to get a little confidence back because they can make some moves on some on the ball here and there and play the ball rather than the receiver and maybe get a few interceptions for Minnesota
1: so as we look to the Vikings Sam mentioned we turned the switch pretty quick in these parts they play the Denver Broncos just as important as they go into a bye week and they want if you can get to eight and three in a bye week you set up a pretty good December Pete as I look at this and you look at the teams that are candidates for the playoffs right now the Packers the Vikings the New Orleans Saints uh, certainly the Seattle Seahawks San francisco 49ers this looks like it could be a really good postseason because all those teams have played really well at times. And if you can get yourself in that dance, it's hard to separate the NFC right now.
0: Yeah. And all the criticism that was coming down on Kirk Cousins, suddenly you start looking yeah. at his numbers. <laughs> and somebody, I can't you know, find
1: right, those folks.
0: Right. Yeah. They got, they've got they been silenced pretty well so far. I mean, the reality is Denver, by the way, I think this is going to, let's hope this isn't a trap game for us, Maxie, because They started off the season terrible, and that's why their record looks so bad, but the last couple of weeks, they've looked a little bit better. Now, Kansas City blew them out, but Kansas City pretty much can blow out almost anybody at a given time with the homes playing and all the rest of it, but the reality is Denver's gotten a little bit better over the last couple of weeks, and it's a dangerous time to be playing against them, especially What do we have six or seven different players that are not going to be suited up for the game, both our safeties. This is this is going to be an interesting game, potentially, if, uh, if if some of that really shows up against a Denver team that's been improving.
1: Yeah, and if you can get away with a win here with two weeks before you play again, you've really done it right because you can rest Linval, Joseph, and Adam Thielen some more.
0: Yeah, that, that would be great if we get that opportunity. Josh Klein, I really like him as our guard. He's a big, strong guy, and we're going to be missing him as well, so... Yeah, thielen has been out for, you know, in and out for a number of weeks now, but we really have a a pretty decent injury report going into this football game. So it gives Denver a little bit of an edge, maybe that they didn't have before. If we're, if we're at full, if we have all our guys healthy, I don't think this game is is probably a very close game, but the fact that we've got so many guys right now kind of nicked up and and many of them not going to be suited up, that's, that's going to be something that might make this uh, an interesting game. Even though I'm not a huge fan of Joe Flacco, he has played a little bit better of late. So let's see. Uh, it, it might be a pretty interesting football game, actually.
1: Well, the uh, uh, and, and the Vikings seem to you know. I always study coaches that you know the same way you study CEOs when you pick stocks and all that stuff. And Zimmer seems to have a pretty good feel. For what needs to be done each and every week. In other words, he knows that they're heading into just that, you know, that they could be okay. looking past it to a bye week, all those things. I think, and you, I think Ferris is pretty good too, in that you can rattle his cage for a while, but eventually he gets his share of wins. And I, you know, you know those coaches, Pete, that they just have a feel yep. for the situation. They might not be great every week, but they, they know uh, when their team needs, uh, needs some extra attention. And I think Zimmer's that kind of guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think he does focus on that. I, I would I would express uh, heavily that we would need to get Dalvin Cook the ball as often as possible. Yeah. He, he's as good as they get, and, and Madison's been fantastic. So the combination of those two at running back, given a little breather once in a while to Cook, but I think the fact that it gets overlooked a lot of the time, not by Minnesota people, but people around the rest of the country, is how well Dalvin Cook has been catching the ball. He's just yeah. gotten better and better and better. And, and, the, and he's so effective just coming out of the backfield. He's got great speed. We know that. If the offensive line can give Kirk just a little bit of time, uh, we've got some effective guys downfield as well. And Stefan Diggs, it's amazing how after that really slow start and then some of the anger and all the rest of that was going back and forth. He And Kirk Cousins seem to be on the same page, so that's a really solid thing
1: for him. He, he might be the team MVP for going into the coaches and saying, throw the ball or I'm not coming to practice. <laughs> I don't know. At the end of the year, he might get an extra game ball at the side, you know. Hey, last question for you. We saw the mayhem in uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh uh, uh, the other night, and when a helmet becomes a weapon, what was your take on that? What does that do to the NFL as a business?
0: You know, it, it makes it tough on the NFL because they've obviously been preaching about how they want to get this game to be much more of a game where you're not worried so much about head injuries specifically. And this was just something where I I I don't know Miles Garrett, but I know a lot about him. And I'll tell you what, he's a he's an interesting guy. And this is not something that really fits into his personality normally. But the last few weeks, he's been on edge, and it seemed like he got pushed over the edge. And I'm not defending him in terms of swinging the helmet, but I'll tell you what; these quarterbacks, when they start getting mouthy with these guys, when they're already on the edge, spoken
1: that- like a true middle linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: that escalated to the next level. But there's no excuse ever to have the weapon, in other words, the helmet being swung around. That's just that's just crazy, and and it's unfortunate. And I know he seems to be a big boy, and he's 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 basically said, "Look, this is totally on me. Whatever the penalty is, it is, and I'll work forward after that." So. He's likely out for, you know, obviously the rest of the season, but it'll be interesting to see what that means after this season in terms of will they do even more than that going into next year.
1: Pete, great stuff. We've got a lot to look forward to around these parts football-wise over the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll be hooking up with you again soon, I hope. Always
0: appreciate it. It's good to join you, Maxie, and I think the gopher's got a great shot. That Wisconsin game is going to be huge.
1: That's going to be crazy. Is that going to be crazy? Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Thanks a lot. When we come back, I sat down with the Neil Hunter, Minnesota Vikings defensive lineman, and we'll take your phone call. 651-989-9226. What did you think of the Gophers yesterday? Was that, the, was that a good performance where they just came up short? Was it a lousy performance that uh, gives you room for pause? 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. Mike Max, the sports huddle the rest of the way. Stay with us. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Sid Hartman has just elbowed Dave Mona in an attempt to get the last waffle at the brunch buffet at U.S. Bank Stadium. Dave is just whoa. Okay, they'll be okay. But it's just it's moments like that where you get. Luckily, Dave can handle that stuff and uh, keep his temper in check. Not like Miles Garrett. Uh, but Sid has now speared the waffle successfully with his fork, and he's um, pouring. Oh no. He's putting syrup on it. This is not going well. All right, we'll keep you updated. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. If you want to talk gophers or anything else, let's go to Pat in River Falls. Pat, you're on.
6: Yeah, I'm actually. See, I'm just wondering why this Big Ten title game is always in Indianapolis. Any chance that might come up to Minneapolis?
1: There has been talk about that, Pat, but the uh, they like Indianapolis because it's a almost completely neutral site, and uh, it's uh, it's an easy one for them to have. They get access to. You know, you know, that stadium, and when you start moving it around, I think they see the potential for a bigger home field advantage. Obviously, you know, if Indiana would make it or Purdue would make it or somebody like that, they have got a lot closer in proximity uh, than uh, uh, Minnesota would. Uh, but I don't think, so So the places they could play it would be there or here in terms of Big Ten uh, cities that have a facility, and I think they like the neutrality of it, uh, having it in Indianapolis. That would be my guess. All right. All right, 651-989-9226. If you want to jump on and talk Vikings, Gophers, or anything else, you know, I came back uh, last night after that Gopher game. I went to the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves game. And, uh, God, I'm just thinking to myself how cool that was, that you could, you know, you can just flip the switch around here. And, you know, people at the U.S. Bank Stadium yesterday, all day for high school football, and the MIAC played out, and all those things. Uh, but I went out, and, and, and all of a sudden, you're completely engaged in, can the Minnesota Timberwolves stop James Harden? They can't. Actually, he takes so many shots, and, and he you know, that a step back, he's going to get off just by any time he wants. I don't know how many he missed last night, 25 shots maybe? I have no idea how the Houston Rockets, how, as a teammate, you can play with him and stay engaged. But it works, and it's all based on, and this matters to the Timberwolves because that's all based on their analytics. Um, it's all based on their analytics that tell them each possession James Harden's in, there's a better chance if he has the ball that they score it than not. But it's kind of difficult to watch, even though I love watching marquee players like that. And he scored, what, 46, 48, whatever it was last night. He had 30 at the half. Still hard to watch. But also, in the, and the Timberwolves didn't have Wiggins, but they didn't have Westbrook, so that's a wash. So it was one bad weekend for the Timberwolves. They get beat by a team that was 2 and 7 in Washington. And they can't stop Bradley Beal. Then they get beat uh, last night uh, by Houston. They couldn't stop James Harden. They couldn't stop, you know, in, in some key possessions, they couldn't stop other people as well. And that is not a good, uh, they lost three out of four this week and lost all three at home. That's a bad week for the Timberwolves. Uh, let's go to Frank in Eagle Falls. You want to talk some gopher football, Frank?
6: Yeah,
0: Mike. Say, I, I didn't listen to earlier the show. We we were. Are you there, Mike? I'm here. Oh, uh, I didn't listen earlier to the show. We were out deer hunting. Did you
6: get one? Uh, uh, yes, we did, down by East Chain, Minnesota. Oh, boy, a corn buck, huh? Oh, yeah, well, and there's a buck right now crossing the road
0: on, on uh, 169 down by Vernon Center.
1: Oh, yeah, if you're deer down hunter down. out there you heard <laughs> this, this is by Vernon Center, 169, a buck just crossed the road. So if you're in that's that vicinity, is. deer hunters, <laughs> you have a question, yeah, though, Frank.
0: The question was this. Uh, My son's a defensive back coach in high school, but we thought the Gophers secondary was playing a soft zone in that first half. They made the adjustment of the second half. They did some blitzing, and they were playing man-to-man with such a very good secondary. I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts.
1: I don't know if it was intentionally a soft zone or if it was just the way the defensive backs were playing it. Uh, I don't know that intentionally – um, they, they were trying to go soft on him because you knew that um, uh, Iowa was going to try to throw the football. Now they unveiled uh, this freshman running back who was outstanding. He had 90 yards in the first half, but I got to tell you, they're a frustrating team to watch too, because uh, you, you know, they, they'd they put up the 20 and made it look easy against the Gophers. And then it became once the Gophers counterpunched in the second half, it came up with some different defensive schemes uh, Iowa didn't seem to have much of an answer except to make some really good catches. You know, that, that was kind of their offense, but they also played to the stakes. And what I mean by that is they're not looking to score a touchdown. They're looking to get the ball just to the stakes and get the first down. And so you wonder why Iowa always plays these close games. They don't take many shots. They, generally speaking, all their patterns, when it's third down, third and five, third and six, how many times do they run something? They're always trying to get just to the first down marker, and that's the way they play football. But they didn't have a lot of answers to the Gopher defense in the second half. And I thought the Gopher wide receivers were outstanding yesterday. Uh, They had a couple of drops, but they they put on a show, too. And and to have the confidence to throw the ball to the 50-yard line when you're at your own five— there are some things out of there that you said that, you know, they made a statement that they weren't going to be scared of anyone. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. If you want to join us, Mike Max in on the sports huddle. Sid and Dave have departed there at the Viking Stadium where I came from. Uh, I said it's a bad sign. We did our, our television out there today, the pregame show. And I said it's a bad sign when all see all the Denver Broncos come walking into the stadium this morning and I'm standing right by them and they come walking down across the field and, and they're walking into the locker room. They're all in their street clothes. They just got off the bus. And I said, the only one I think that I recognize there is John Elway. (laughs) That's not a good sign. Now, Von Miller I probably missed when he was coming through, but they they don't have the marquee names that they've had in the past. And uh, Eric Decker's in town this week. He was a very good... uh Denver Broncos, and, of course, Peyton Manning for a few years there, and Von Miller's a poster child for uh, uh, everybody that plays defense. But the Minnesota Vikings have a pretty good defensive end as well by the name of Daniil Hunter. He can flat-out play. I engaged him in a conversation this week about the Vikings and a little bit about high school football. The new not like a Friday at uh, Winter or uh, TCO because uh, the work's done and now you uh, figure out uh, how to get there on Sunday, etc. Do, do you love this time of the week when you get to the end of it and you know the haze of the barn and now you just worry about a game?
7: Yeah, it's uh, it's the best part of the week. You know, you've got, you got all the the studying done and the game planning done. so. The only thing that's left is just get your body right and then prepare yourself for Sunday.
1: I was just watching the high school football playoffs at the U.S. Bank Stadium. What was your high school experience like? Did you play defensive line? What, what did you play?
7: I played defensive end, and I played tight end also. And speaking of playoffs, we didn't actually make the playoffs until my <laughs> last year of high school. So that, Come was, on. that was That was something that's pretty exciting. So I know it's pretty exciting for all the high schools going on right now. So. Did, did they throw
1: the ball to you a lot as a tight end?
7: Uh, every now and then, but it was pretty cool.
1: And it was there that you developed a love for football and defensive line play? Uh, I've been playing
7: defensive line since I was little, so that's something that I like.
1: How do you like this team right now? You guys uh, you got Denver, you've been playing well, you've been playing well as a defense. How does it feel in here right now?
7: Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a good group. You know, Everybody has that, that mindset and mentality that they're, they're ready to go out there and, and do their job. And everybody's focused, from the players to the coaches and some of the staff members. You know, everybody's just ready to go and um, go compete.
1: The fact that defense has played together so long means what in terms of not even the way you communicate on the field?
7: Well, it means a lot, you know. We, we hang out on and off the field, and it's a good brotherhood, and we just know how each other play uh, as a defense. You um, know that if we get into certain situations, we know who, who's, who's more likely to make the play than, than other players, so it helps us a lot.
1: Daniil Hunter. Uh, Minnesota Vikings about uh, 12 minutes away from kicking off with the Denver Broncos. Let's take one phone call quick before the break. Can we go to Brian in St. Paul? Brian.
3: Yeah, just an idea for onside kicks. Instead of having the kicker do it, have a linebacker or a fast guy. Put the ball horizontally on the tee and kick the edge of it, and then it'll go along the ground like a propeller. Uh Be much more unpredictable, plus you'd have a less wimpy guy than the kicker going after it.
1: Never thought about it. You know, I've heard a lot of theories, and I, I was about to say, well, what's this ridiculous theory going to be? But that'd be kind of fun to see in practice, to see how that played out, to see if a guy could do it. You'd have to be able to kick it 10 yards, and you have to be precise if he kicked the edge of the ball. Uh, but what, you would get some strange bounces, and what you're saying is his momentum and his speed would carry him in the direction of the ball, and he'd just keep running. And if a kicker does that, it doesn't matter because they're going to knock him down anyway. Yep. Good point, Brian. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. 651-989-9226. Mike Maxson, Dave Bona, and Sid Hartman at the uh, stadium. Oh, Dave has conceded. Yep. And Sid just sold it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I shouldn't even report this. Sid, uh, Dave looked the other way, and he, he stole one of his uh, sausage patties. Take a break. Come back. A couple more phone calls. 651-989-9226. You're listening to Sports Huddle. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Mike Max in the rest of the way, fourth quarter of this show. Let's go to Scott and Eden Prairie, if you want to join us. 651 Scott, you're on.
6: Sure. Uh, Mike, thanks for taking the call. Long time season ticket holder. Uh, my, my main co- complaint was on um, PJ Flex and the defensive coordinator. They know Stanley is not a mobile quarterback, but if you give him like, they gave him no pressure whatsoever in the first half. I don't think he ever got touched. And, 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 and 20 points, basically, by all the drives they made. So now we're behind the eight ball. And the second thing is this. Two, on the two-yard line with four seconds to go, I heard P.J. say, well, I got to get something. I, I got to get something. And I love P.J. Fleck. Don't get me wrong. And I said, when they had when they had Green there with a, with an option to give it to to uh, Smith, they hardly ever get stopped there. Anyway, I just think it was it was the worst coaching I've seen this year on this staff. And and uh, Lou Holtz had the best line. He says, "My job as a coach is to put my team in a position to win." Well, they didn't do that in the first half. Anyway, I got it off my chest. Thanks for taking the call.
1: Thanks, Scott. We saw it for the first time, though, where people put them under a microscope as a coaching staff. They've had the lead in most cases. Had they lost to Penn State on the final drive like that, I'm sure it would have been questioned just as much as it was yesterday. But I think more than anything is people put a microscope on them because they're watching this team now. and They, they don't critique. They didn't critique them. Uh, the same way when they were playing Purdue and everything else, not just because they won, but because uh, they weren't watching as closely as they are now. So you're going to see a lot more criticism for the Gopher staff when they come off a loss because people are now watching this team a lot more closely. I don't think they're making any more decisions philosophically that are different than uh, when they won the first night. Let's go to Jeff in Glenwood. Jeff, you're on.
6: Yeah, I want to talk twins. i got us some few comments. When are they going to sign a couple more,
3: or sign a couple uh, free agent Starting pitchers. Well, they and got order
1: easy to come with. back. That's a pretty significant start.
3: Yeah. yeah. I know they've been talking with uh, Zach Reeler from the Mets. And then uh, I hear once in a while, or I see on my phone once in a while, that, you know, some people entertain the thought that they should trade Rosario. Well, I, I think that would be the worst mistake they could make, you know, even thinking about it. But I'll hang up and listen and keep
6: doing a great job, you guys.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Let, let, let me just throw this out though: the difference between fan talk and, and real talk. People say trade Eddie Rosario for a top line starting pitcher. My answer to that is: okay, tell me who it is. Who's the pitcher that somebody's going to give up Freddie Rosario? Who give me the front line pitcher that another team said they will give up Freddie Rosario? Well, the fans have no idea if any team out there maybe the best you can get for them is a number three because of the way they value pitching versus they value a left fielder. So the chances of you procuring a deal like that, tell me who it is. Tell me, tell me, well, will Houston give up Zach Granke for him? Well, I'd do that. You know, if they'll make that move. Uh, is there another team out there that's struggling that will give up their ace because because they think it's going to be a rebuild season? Well, why would why would you do that just to pick up a left fielder even if he can hit home runs? The, the the point being, fans get involved in this stuff, and they say, well, trade for this. Okay, show me the deal. Show it to me on paper. Who is it that's willing to give up a great pitcher for Eddie Rosario? And then we can have the debate. We don't know if anybody out there, any team out there, is willing to part with a really good starting pitcher for Eddie Rosario. We can make things up like that. We can say, well, that's what they should do. But there's no one out there that knows whether or not Eddie Rosario would merit a top-line starting pitcher on the back. Well. Oh, my gosh. Sid is going now for the lemonade, and he wants them to open up the ice cream stand that is supposed to. We're not supposed to get to the ice cream until halftime, and he is demanding they open up the ice cream stand right now uh, out at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, in the media. Oh, boy. All right. Um, I'll let him tell you how that turns out tomorrow. I, I'm, that's it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Not the chocolate syrup, Sid. You've been listening to the Sports Channel. Thanks for listening. Rashini's coming up next on WCCO.